Welcome to all of our Stand Up Australia viewers and to my Substack viewers and to anyone else who happens to watch this. My name is Robin Tudor and on behalf of Stand Up Australia, I would like to introduce to you the amazing Kathleen, uh, Kathleen Couch, sorry, uh, I didn't Perfect. check the pronunciation of your name. Did I get that right? Is That's it exactly correct. Yes. Fantastic. Yeah. All right. Well, I passed the first hurdle of the interview. So uh, the reason that that I wanted to, to speak to you was because you reached out to me to, to let me know that you had been uh, elected to the, the Senate of, uh, of Nebraska correct. and you, you had actually written a, a bill and mm -hmm. I'm not I'm I'm going to have you talk about that bill in more detail a little bit later but let's just say i think it's a it's on a subject that is very near and dear to, to the hearts of a, a lot of our viewers before we launch into this i i do just want to uh have you introduce yourself to the audience so uh before you before you became uh, a senator uh for the state of nebraska well, what did you do like what's your background so um i actually have a graduate degree in public policy an undergraduate degree in criminology and for the last 25 years, I've done consulting. Uh, when my first child was born, we were very far away from family. And so I moved into consulting and doing contract work so I could be home with him. Um, and then had a couple more kids. We moved around the country quite a little bit. Omaha, Nebraska is our seventh location. And the projects that I was doing with companies were happening because they had so much conflict on their staffs that they weren't getting their work done and i got a degree in mediation and um so i work with organizations to help them untangle dysfunction to work better together and i work with corporate level staff so c-level um people to teach them how to develop a conflict positive environment because you should be able to talk to people about difficult subjects and work through conflicts yeah, what we find out is that there's a lot of um, middle school dynamics in organizations. And so I do that. And then I do elder care mediation as well. Wow. I, I was going to joke that a degree in criminology was was a, a sufficient educational background to enter government. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> criminology plus conflict mediation. That seems like the perfect combination of skills. It, right. it is. And actually, you know, as, as rough as this session got because of the bills that I introduced, um, understanding how to deal with conflict and different personalities was actually very, very beneficial yes this this is going to be so interesting for our audience okay so uh nebraska i i must confess i had to look it up on the map and so i thought Great i was actually i thought i would actually share the map hang on a moment um, i've got to find the right tab let's see now um and it's actually showing the map yes it's perfect oh yeah. actually showing mm -hmm. something different on my zoom screen all right so here here is nebraska right here almost Kind of like in the middle of the United States. Okay. So for, for all of my Australian viewers who are like, where's Nebraska? <laughs> okay, now you know. Okay. So um, we, we are affectionately known as flyover country. Yes. Because as we go from coast to coast, they fly over us. I was I was going to raise that point because I, I first heard that term flyover state some time ago and thought, what does that mean? And then I realized, oh, yes, in the United States, anyone who's anyone is either on the right. East Coast or the West Coast. And then there's the people that you just fly over. So right. I, I do want you to, to tell our audience a little bit about Nebraska, but um, I'm going to tell you the three things that I know about Nebraska. Okay. <laughs> three things I know about Nebraska, one of which 
could, and possibly two of which, could turn out to have an interesting tie-in with our, with our subject matter. Okay, number one thing I know about, about Nebraska, uh, Penny, the waitress, to, uh, you know, would-be actor from um, The Big Bang Theory came from Nebraska, okay? Uh, yeah. Second thing I know about Nebraska, the Franklin cover-up uh, scandal, yes. which was, yeah. Uh, so the Franklin cover-up scandal, I'm sure you know more about this than, than I do, was- um, I actually just, I've only been here about 11, not even 11 years, and I started reading about that. I didn't hear about it until about a year and a half ago. And there's a, a book by the, the person who was prosecuting that, and it's fantastic. Yes. Yes, I actually saw a documentary. So, so for those in our audience who who haven't the faintest idea what we're talking about, um, this was an allegation of a of basically a child prostitution ring that was centered in Omaha, Nebraska, um, where boys were recruited from. Uh, it's it's Boys Town, wasn't it? It's like a reform school. It is. It. So that Father Flanagan started it a hundred some years ago for Home for Troubled Boys. It was based around the the there it was a farm and they worked and it, that was kind of how they helped these kids back on track and it's morphed and changed over the years and in the 90s this is when this was going on yes so the allegation was that boys uh, from boys town were recruited into this child prostitution ring and the people running it were really high-ranked members of the republican party and it brought down the, the Franklin Credit Union, which was involved in essentially, as I understand it, money laundering for this disgusting corporation. Mm -hmm. And um, a, uh, I, I, if, I, if memory serves, he was a former FBI agent, um, John DeCamp, who investigated this, wrote a book about it. And then the whole thing was dismissed as an elaborate hoax. And I actually saw a documentary about it that had been made by Oh, I'm blanking on whether it was BBC or ITV or Channel 4. It was a British um, TV station. And it was actually, uh, it was never screened. So what I saw was like a rough cut um, because the, the channel pulled it. So, yes, second thing I know about Nebraska is the Franklin cover-up scandal. It's, it was a horrific story. Yeah, truly, truly um, unbelievably horrific and disturbing. And it wasn't just that these these boys were recruited, uh, well, the allegation anyway, was that they were recruited into child prostitution. There was a lot of drug, uh, drug abuse and drug trafficking and getting the kids hooked on drugs involved as well. So, And it wasn't just recruiting them, there were also kidnapping. So we actually, my husband grew up in Iowa, in Des Moines, and a, a young man he went to school with was kidnapped. He was one of the two paper boys who was kidnapped in the 80s. He is mentioned in the Lincoln scandal book as being someone who was kidnapped and put into this prostitution ring. So it's it is a horrific, horrific story. It is just beyond disturbing. And with the with the release of um Sounds of Freedom, I think a lot oh. of people are getting this on their on their radar, like it or not. Um, the third fact I know about Nebraska is that on the afternoon of September 11, George W. Bush was uh, was flown on on um, Air Force One to the Offutt Air Force Base in Omaha, Nebraska, where where by sheer coincidence Warren Buffett was was hosting a charity golf tournament, and apparently uh, W. was flown there for his safety. Yes, <laughs> that was because we're in the center of the country, and it's we didn't know what kind of an attack it was. And so they grabbed him from Florida, flew him here. And this, this Offutt Air Force Base is where 
the president is brought in case of an attack until they figure oh, out what's going on. That's, mm -hmm. that's yeah, it had nothing to do with Warren Buffett. I think I mean Warren Buffett is here, but that mm -hmm. on that day it was strictly to get the president away from the coasts again because we didn't know if there were missiles coming. We didn't know what was happening. And you I figure, was okay, no, no one's got a point of a missile right. in America because like no one even knows it's there. Yeah, <laughs> yes. Um, I was actually living in Kansas and giving birth that day. Oh, your baby. My second, my second son was born that day. We actually, it was a scheduled induction and that was my older sister and my grandmother's birthday. So we had picked that day and uh, when everything happened, when the towers were hit, my husband wanted to push it off a day. I said, absolutely not because he was in the military. We didn't know if he would get called up immediately um, or oh. what was going to happen. And I was bound and determined that terrorists were not going to change my personal plans for my son to be born on my uh, sister's birthday so well that that so that is quite yes yeah. goodness all right so that's all i know about nebraska now we tell us a lot we're good we have a lot of cows and a lot of corn right so so it's it so nebraska's economy is based on agriculture well what's Very roughly much. the population uh about 2 million, just under 2 million. And which is, we are a, a large, large state to drive from one to the other is about seven and a half hours. And that's on a highway. So it's, it's a very, very big state. Um, a lot of it is agriculture. We have two major metropolitan, they're not major metropolises. Um, it's Omaha and then Lincoln is about half the size of Omaha. And then okay. as you go further west, the bigger cities get a little bit smaller each way. Gotcha. Okay, so big state geographically, small population, large agricultural right. base. I'm guessing politically it leans Republican then? It does. It's, a, it's for the most part a conservative state until you get to the cities where the universities are. And so oh. that is, and, and so we also have a large, um, our business economy, uh, we're a great state for insurance companies to do business. We have really, really good regulations for insurance companies. We have a lot who are headquartered here, insurance and financial services companies. Yes. So those are headquartered in Nebraska and Omaha and Lincoln primarily. And now brings to mind the insurance data that Ed Dowd was discussing. And what yes. did he say? Yes, yes. So he was talking about major life insurance companies that were based mm -hmm. out of Omaha. Right. Pieces yep. are coming to in my mind. Okay. So why did you decide to, to run for the for the Senate? Like what was your motivation to enter politics? Uh, what issues did you campaign on? What was your what was your intention? What did you want to achieve? So you and I uh, met in the middle of the COVID nonsense, in the middle of forced masking and the vaccine mandates. Um, I was very, very passionate about the fact that they were forcing us to do things that these are not healthy vaccines or not even vaccines. Um, and the fact that they were using both a carrot and a stick so, so heavily really raised the red flags for me. Um, you know, the research I did in them said this, I have no risk from COVID. My kids have no risk from COVID. It's not as bad as they, so the, the fact that we had so much gaslighting about it really got me to start paying attention. Um, in October of 2021, um, I brought uh, Peter McCullough to Lincoln along with um, Petty. Uh, I can't remember his name. Uh, Dr. Petty, he is the uh, he deals with masks and he is the HVAC guy. And he's like, masks do not work. He is a physicist who studies this. That's all he does. 
And he has several videos out proving that a mask will not protect you from a virus, even the N95s. Yes. Um, so I brought him and Dr. McCullough, and then we had a, a constitutional attorney talking to people at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln campus, because at that time, the campus had a vaccine passport system in place. And I had been advocating for several months, uh, getting people together, um, showing up at our regents board meetings to protest the fact that they had vaccine passports on campus. Mm. And what was really most upsetting about that is the kids didn't know. These college students who are in their you know, 18 to 24, um, they're like, well, you know, it's a bit of a hassle and it, it, it bothers me, but if I don't do it, I can't go take my test. If I don't do it, I can't get into class. Mm. Mm. in our country we have the right free right of movement so for them and trying to educate these students that this is not just an inconvenience this is them removing your rights and telling them um you are only valued and able to move if we say you are healthy enough that's not acceptable and especially since and, and healthy, like what a narrow definition of health passports had nothing to do with health they were simply evidence that, that you had or had not had an injection it's exactly. it, yeah. isn't it disturbing though that that young adults who are at a tertiary institution right where i don't know i grew up thinking that universities were about encouraging young people to, to think <laughs> Thinking, yeah. Remember that when that was a thing, and to think that they just went, "Oh well, it's a bit of a hassle," but what do you do? We just have to go along to get along. And, and, and part of that problem is that these kids had worked really hard to get their grades. They had worked, saved money, or taken out loans, or they had so much riding on this, and they didn't understand. I mean, because in this country, it is so very directed at you've got to get your degree. And you're not really valued in the workforce until you have at least a four-year degree. And so that that is really conditioned, but but our degrees have have taken a hit because we're pushing so many people through um, and making it easier and easier to get them or giving Lowering them the like, standards in order to, to keep up the graduation yeah. rate. Right. Yeah. 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 Okay. Man, there's a there's a whole lot of tangents we could oh, go. You know, with with the recent Supreme Court decision striking down affirmative action. I mean, that's that's it. But but we'll save that for another conversation. Okay. Kathleen <laughs> <Robin laughs> <and Kathleen> show. <laughs> yeah, 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 man. Well, we we've got a lot of topics that that, that we yeah. could cover, uh, which I think would be of, of great interest. But yes, trying to keep my myself on 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 track. So so um, you're, you're talking. You've been talking about the the policies within the university. What about Nebraska as a whole? Like, what what was the the state of Nebraska's COVID response? You know, did did they have lockdowns? You know, were schools closed? Uh, were there mask mandates, jab mandates? Yeah. So Nebraska as a whole. So in our country, we we focus very much on local control. Um, yep. A lot of states said, "Oh no, the state is in charge, and we're locking everything down." Like Michigan, um, California, New York. Nebraska said our state is open for business. Um, no, nothing that has to do with state government. You cannot be forced to wear a mask. Our, our governor at that time, Governor Ricketts, did a really, really good job of keeping us open and saying, nope, your freedoms cannot be removed from you because of this. Um, you know, they they made sure that, you know, if these things were going on, it had to be done at the local level. So Omaha had mask mandates, which I also was, you know, protesting and speaking out against. Um, and, and you could tell the different communities that, so I actually went to a different community to shop. So I'm very close to, 
um, grocery stores in a different county and you didn't have to wear a mask. And I, I kept my kids working. My, my son actually worked at a grocery store in the county where you didn't have to wear a mask. And somebody yelled at him one day because he didn't have a mask on his shoes. You know, that people got that, that righteous anger, like they're going to make sure that everyone is healthy and safe and you have to do what they th- say. She yelled at him and he said, ma'am, we're in Sharpie County. There's no mask mandate here. Um, yeah. she, I mean, she was on the verge of calling the police. Isn't but that sensational though, that he was able to just stand his ground and be polite. And, and very polite and very calm. respect as a customer, but, but just state state the facts, state the law. You know, if you want to wear a mask, it's up to you. Knock yourself out or, yeah. or suffocate yourself. Yeah, your choice. Um, but, but it's not the law, and so I'm not doing it. Yeah, I, I love that. I love that. So so you you did have some crazy maskers in, in Nebraska. Yeah. It, wasn't, it wasn't all like, you know, gun-toting. No, 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 no. no we're not going to no. wear the mask. No. There, were, there were some people who were right into it. Okay, well, I, I guess that happens everywhere yeah and do you, um, do you want to meet somebody real quick brandon come here my son who was born on 9 11. yeah yeah say hi to robin she's in australia this is hello. hello just hearing about this wonderful story of, of, of you dealing with um with uh let's just say a pro masker so <laughs> okay. yeah so, congratulations on standing your ground terrific <laughs> thank you yeah. okay cool yeah man that is that is quite the birthday though isn't it <laughs> wow <laughs> yeah um so okay i i know that i can't keep you forever today you you have another so let's uh let's let's talk about this bill let's talk about the uh what, what was the name of this bill and 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 uh tell our listeners about the subject matter and the what um yeah go for it um so when so a year ago, the senator for my district, um, he was in almost the end of his second year and he passed away right. unexpectedly. Uh-huh. And um, so I decided to run for his seat. So I was appointed for the short term and then had to campaign and run for his seat and get elected to the last two years of his term. As I was going door to door, people would say, you know, what, what are you most passionate about? My response was pushing back on federal overreach because at that time, the Biden administration had decided that if um, schools did not have gender inclusive programs, which meant that girls would have to share locker rooms and bathrooms with boys and vice versa, and boys could play on girls sports teams, then their free and reduced lunch funding would be pulled from the uh, school by the federal government. So oh, to me, that I is no idea. That mm. happened in May. And that, that is extortion on a federal level to force cultural change and in our country not, it's not, not, not to mention that that is a direct attack on on the Absolutely. on the safety and the freedom of girls the, uh-huh. the the freedom of girls to to not be subjected to uh sexual harassment basically i mean no no adolescent girl wants to be you know in a change room and have a a male with his genitalia <laughs> intact walking through her change room while she right. is getting changed let alone competing on a sports team with with a male with and, all the and the the other thing is you know boys are at huge risk for this because when girls are in their locker rooms changing teenage boys do not always say the right thing and when you have someone who's in there who's already proven that they are they feel like a victim they feel like they're special 
if a boy says the wrong thing, looks the wrong way, is uncomfortable in any way, shape, or form, and makes that person feel uncomfortable, that boy is at risk for, for being targeted. It's just you put kids, you should never put kids in a situation that is so far beyond their maturity level to handle. And so this affects boys and girls. Um, and it's raising that. that. That's actually a really yeah. important point. It puts boys at risk as, 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 uh, as well, a different kind of risk, but it's still a it's risk. totally different kind of risk. Absolutely. But a risk nonetheless, and especially with the cancel culture that we have now. If and and that goes for both boys and girls, if they are uncomfortable with this happening, they're the ones who are told they have a problem. They are not given, they are not listened to, they are not. Um, it's well, why aren't you supportive? Why aren't you an ally? Ally is one of those key words that means you don't really get to um have a stance on it. Uh as a conflict mediation, um, I use the phrase weaponized compassion. Yes, hundred percent. An ally is a weaponized term, isn't it? Yes. It's a it's a highly weaponized term. So, exactly. what was the response by you know when when you were door knocking, when you were speaking to 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 people about these issues, what was their response? Nobody knew about it. It was one of those things, you know, just people don't pay attention the same way, and it was it was just slid under, you know, just passed on by. Um, I had heard about it because I pay attention to that stuff. And so when I would talk about it, they're like, no, that can't possibly be. And I'd pull it up, like, look, here's the, the executive order. Um, our state attorney uh, general filed a lawsuit about it. Um, at that point, I had been appointed it. And so I was able to start a bill to work on that. But as I talked with people um, and explained what was going on, I heard more and more, well, I don't want you know guys in my daughters. You know, I'd have people answering the door with little kids going, well, that's not okay. And and teenagers in the background, you should just see their parents like processing. Yes. That is not okay. Not then, okay. Not okay. But I sent not, my child yeah. to school and, and they be subjected to, to this. Right. And 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 what is held over the school's head is we will take money away from you if you don't yeah. go along with this. Exactly. Wow. Yeah, that's bad. Um, so so as a state, we have to decide for ourselves. That's called federalism, what it is we want to do. If it's not in our constitution, the state decides. And so, you know, as I talked to people, and then I started learning more about the, the push, this gender dysphoria push, and how bad the, how much kids are being pressured to, if they feel uncomfortable in their bodies at all, which that's called puberty. Like, that's called going through, that's called being a teenager, right? <laughs> like standing in front of the mirror for hours at a stretch going, my nose isn't right. And, and right? like, well, and, my and, friend and, you know, has larger breasts than me, or for boys, like, yeah. you know, my friend has larger genitalia than me, yeah. Well, yeah. and when, when I was in high school and, and, you know, middle school, it was eating disorders. A few oh. years later, it was cutting and a few yes. years it was something else and now it's gender dysphoria so we are seeing exponential increasing Absolutely. cases and and even it's, within within eating disorders it went from yeah. anorexia to bulimia yeah. right so overeating yeah yes so there was a shift in in in, in the in the nature of the of the eating disorder that, that became a social contagion and then yes you're right cutting replaced eating disorders as a social contagion and now we're seeing that exact same demographic that was afflicted by the eating um, disorders and the cutting girls and here's the thing if if you were a psychiatrist and you had someone come in who was a young woman 
who is obviously underweight. And that girl looked at you and said, I know I'm fat, but I'm really skinny on the inside. I want liposuction and diet pills. If you wrote out that prescription or passed along to a surgeon, you would have your license pulled. That's what's happening. These are mental health issues. It's so simple. On by the medical industry. Yep. 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 Mm. Yeah. Serving <laughs> oh, on so 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 many areas. Yeah. Uh, so so this this then led to the. Uh, yep. Yeah. Tell us about the bill. Yeah. So basically, um, as I delved into the the and I, the first bill I uh, have is called Sports and Spaces, and that deals with no biological males on female teams, and boys and girls don't share each other's locker rooms and bathrooms. K through twelve. That one got pushed off till next year, but I will still be pursuing it. Because I, I also introduced one called Let Them Grow, and that was LB 574, because the issue of surgery, puberty blockers, and cross-sex hormones has to come first. Because what's happening is people are saying, well, of course these kids can play sports because we've had them on puberty blockers since they were eight. The, they will start pushing this younger and younger and younger to achieve the sports or to achieve the, the passing yeah this this person has no advantage because even though he was he was born a male we've actually put him on puberty blockers so he didn't go through puberty therefore he isn't which doesn't of- work <laughs> they don't work they're so exceptionally dangerous um they've never been studied mm-hmm. for gender dysphoria they are not fda approved they uh lupron which is made by ad v had a huge settlement because it was supposed to be used for precocious puberty. That's what it was FDA approved for. And it did so much damage to the children yeah. who were. Yeah, we're, uh, we're talking about decreased bone density. We're, we're talking about. Um, uh, hypothalamus not developing. Um, heart disease, kidney disease, liver. I mean, all of the endocrine systems not functioning well. You cannot just stop your body from living and growing and developing. You can't just intervene in a complex biological process like that and think that there are going to be only positive consequences flowing from that. It, It is, the word insanity gets overused a lot because it implies that that the people pushing this are just crazy. And I don't think they're crazy. I think they're really bad people. <laughs> I mean, I'm well, just going to be this goes so far past crazy. In in this country, it is a five billion dollar a year industry. Break that in, down. Break that down for us. Where does that money come from? One thing: if you have medications that have not been FDA FDA approved, they're used off label, which means they can charge way more. So, a month of puberty blockers is about seven thousand dollars. Who pays and for that? Uh, well, the insurance companies do, which I don't understand why. Um, so I'll, I'm, I'm trying to attack that as well. Uh, some, some states, Medicaid, which is for people who are poor, who need medical care, um, some states pay for it. Now, the thing is, this is not medically necessary care because it's always coded as a mental health issue because that's how they get it paid for. So they they claim it's not mental health, but they're saying that it is for insurance reasons. Mm-hmm. So that they can it's a very it's very murky, and I don't quite understand how they're getting away with oh, what I can. Okay. 
Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because on the one on the one hand, they they are denying that it's gender dysphoria. They're they're saying that these people are are genuinely trans, whatever that means, and that it's it's not gender dysphoria because gender dysphoria would, would be, as you say, like that's a mental health problem. Where they are the only ones who know the rules and they interpret those rules however they want. Yeah. Yeah. So so you've you've got the drugs. And then, of course, there's the surgery. Right. So the puberty blockers and the cross-sex hormones, um, and which these are irreversible, no matter how nice of a package you put on it. Um, and I had uh, a couple of detransitioners come and speak in the hearings for my bill. Luca Hine is a young woman who was here in Omaha. And you've had, do you know Luca? So she was 15 and having mental health crises um she was getting treatment at our university medical center she mentioned the word trans one time by the time she was 16 they had cut off her breasts and put her on testosterone and within a couple months she realized that wasn't the problem and she mm -hmm. stopped mm -hmm. the testosterone her voice will always be lower she will never have breasts she doesn't know if she'll be able to have children um you know this is the the and she is so brave because she came and testified for me and the doctor who coordinated her care was testifying against us oh. in the same room. And so she was so, so his own patient whom he had harmed and he she, did not acknowledge she, the harm. It was a female doctor. Oh, I'm sorry. That was that was my assumption. Okay, this is this is why. Well, so, yeah, I, I don't yeah. think it was a but um, you know, it it just really so did this to her refused to acknowledge the harm that she had done to a vulnerable adolescent yeah and brought other patients in and other doctors in again everyone who testified against my bill who was in the medical profession were making money from yep. doing these direct conflict of interest testified in support of my bill had had a stake in the game other than seeing that this is wrong yeah yeah yeah. So, and the way, the way, the way we, yeah. the way we, I wrote this bill, um, we, we banned the surgeries and these medications under the age of 19. So in the state of Nebraska, 19 is the age of majority. And yep. what we're trying to say is the, the phrase, let them grow, let these kids grow up, give their brains more time to develop because they cannot make these kinds of decisions. They don't have the brain power to, to understand a lifetime of pain disfigurement um and everything else that goes along with this the and loss so of, loss of sexual function the oh, loss of function exactly. yeah How, and, and so, frankly, when, when they're when they're talking to them about this kids don't understand that kind of sexual function Ooh, gross yeah no i want to be nothing yes i mean that that's part of that's part of the the confusion that they're going through and the the the, the sense of being not connected to their bodies that, that they're going through because you know what is adolescence it's the transition from being a child which by by definition is a not sexual state although you know they're attempting to redefine right. which is its whole other level of of absolutely disturbing stuff um I, are you familiar with james lindsay Oh, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I, so he's he's got a um, he's got a podcast called New Discourses, and I was just listening to an episode. He's done a whole series on what he calls groomer schools. 
if you haven't come across this yet, I mean, don't listen to it at night because it's really disturbing. But we're, we're talking about a, 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 uh, a curriculum developed by UNESCO, which they want to implement internationally. Um, and one of the objectives of this is, is to be talking about talking to prepubertal children about sexual pleasure. I'm, I'm sorry. That has no place in in discussions with a child who hasn't gone through puberty. And even when you're talking to, to children who have gone through puberty about it, I mean, like you say, it's it, it's a really sensitive subject. It's embarrassing. They go, Ew. you know, so so the idea that this is going to be discussed in a classroom where some teacher is going to be standing at the front of the class and saying, you know, sex should be really pleasurable. Like, okay, have a conversation with with adults or at least people who are cognitively more mature but but if i had children of primary school age uh sorry uh we call it primary school elementary school age uh there is no way that i would be enrolling them in in public school i'd be pulling them out and homeschooling them and pretty much the same for high school this is just such inappropriate content that is so, sexual pleasure discussions for pre-pubertal children and on a national <laughs> level national teachers on, on an international on an international level this is what unesco is pushing here in this country are are the uh department of education and the national teachers unions are pushing this down on their teachers unions and on schools to implement this they call it comprehensive sex education or social emotive yes. learning and yes. so they're, they're changing the words and, and changing the meaning of certain programs and words to fit this in under the radar. And in Nebraska, a couple of years ago, when people stayed home with the, you know COVID and they saw what their kids were learning and they heard more about it, all of a sudden, a lot of eyes have been opened. And so pushing back on state boards of education, pushing back on school districts, we're really working very hard to get parents involved. Mm. Because once they find out, I mean, who in their right mind, what parent in their right mind would think that this is okay? I I guess if you're just completely ideologically possessed by this strange uh, new religion of wokeism, well, maybe, maybe the yeah. weaponized compassion. Because so many people said, if you don't support this you must be a bad person you must be not compassionate you must hate these children the names that i have been called about my bill have yeah. been horrific um, say say more about that so where did the opposition come from i mean aside from you know people who who are making money off this barbaric practice where did the opposition come from um a lot of our state senators um a lot of the the uh LGBT groups, um, although I also had uh, gays against groomers. I had LBG groups who um, were saying, we are not happy about this. This, this is a fantastic development, I must say, that the, the the rise of groups like gays against groomers who are really speaking out of, against basically the, the invasion of LGB by the T, because the T has nothing to do with the LGB. The corruption of it, because essentially the T is erasing women, it is erasing men, it is erasing gay, it is erasing lesbian, it is uh, making everything just this big unisex mesh where you can't be who you are. And people don't realize that. So so these are, so the people in the legislature, legislature who were opposed to you, were they 
were, were there were there Republicans amongst the Democrats or like what, what were the party affiliations like? No, it was. And so here in Nebraska, we have what's known as a unicameral. We only have one house and it's not a party system. So supposedly there is no partisanship. However, um, there's very much, you know, people know who they are generally speaking, and this was my first year. So my first year and, and all of the other uh, freshman senators, our first year was a huge, huge battle and very, very partisan. Fire. Right. So, so you're being attacked by these people and, and the, the LGBT groups or the, the T dominated groups, uh, what, what are these groups and, and have you looked into the funding sources? Who's behind? Well, yeah, we have we have a lot of um, donors who are tied to groups like Soros or the you know, Susie Buffett funds uh, funds a lot of this type of of the education groups. The Planned Parenthood Planned Parenthood is a huge one because Planned Parenthood is selling the drugs, and here in the states they say it's just informed consent, so you can walk in with an adult sign that you understand all the risks and walk out with puberty blockers with no any yeah so these are they, these are these are people who they, they can't vote you know they can't buy alcohol or cigarettes they can't join the military but they can because they're not old enough but they can get puberty blockers just on the on the planned parenthood thing um this james uh, james lindsay podcast that i was listening to these um comprehensive sexual uh, sexual education materials are actually co-written by planned parenthood yes 100 so yeah. in other words they're, they're actually creating the market for for their for their services so so they they write the curricula to get children to uh, start thinking that you know I'm not a boy I'm not a girl I'm I'm the opposite sex I'm you know rather than just confused adolescent okay. and and then and then they're they're pushing their own services to these children so these children can walk in and and without their parents knowing without anybody else knowing they could just go get themselves some puberty blockers absolutely it's a little bit like COVID where they create a, a issue and then they sell a vaccine they you know react this is dangerous, but we've got the solution you're sick, you're in the wrong body, but we've got the solution. And here's the problem. When you tell a child whose brain isn't fully developed, you're going to feel so much better. You're going to feel like you, and you don't go into the unbelievably agonizing physical pain and the, the depth of uh, despair you're going to feel looking at yourself and not recognizing your body. That's not talked about. It's all sunshine and rainbows, and you know, here you go. Everything will be fine. Um, this, and that's this, not cool. this whole notion that a person, say, who was born male, could possibly could possibly know what it's like to be a female, and therefore to know that that he wanted to be a female or was truly a female. How could you possibly know? Offensive. <laughs> I mean, it would be like me saying, hey, I feel like I'm black, so I'm black and you must treat me that way. Yeah, yeah, I identify as black, yes. <laughs> it just, it's very fun. I mean, you know, one of the things we need to start being better at is correcting the um, the misuse of language. So when people say, you've misgendered this person, they're saying, this person wants to be called this way, and if you don't agree with it, you're the one guilty of misgendering. When mm. in reality, someone who is calling themselves by a different gender than their biological sex they're the ones who are misgendering 
Because just because you want to be a di something different doesn't mean you are. Doesn't make it so. In, indeed, indeed. Uh, yes, I mean, children children express the desire to be all sorts of things, and and their parents just say, "Well, that's a that's a nice little fantasy that you're right. having." You know, isn't it wonderful that you have such a lively imagination? Oh, you know, look at you pretending to be an elephant. Wow, I love the way you make your your imaginary trunk swing. You don't go, "Oh, my kid's an elephant now." <laughs> because we identify well, we them an as an elephant. So yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Although, although in, in in the UK, I understand now that there have been multiple reports in UK newspapers about children who identify as cats. And so uh, when the teacher addresses them, they, they meow. And uh, other students are actually criticised for, for saying, but you're not a cat, right? Because that's... that's um, Again, that's the weaponized compassion. Yeah, not affirming their identity as a cat. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. Again, is it is it is it crazy or are these people just really bad people who who have an agenda to to create such disruption and, and such such societal destruction that you know out, out of the out of the chaos they can create the order that that they want to make. That's and I, I have huge concerns for you know, the next 10 years and and in in part of my you know as i developed this as i talked to people i kept saying sweden finland norway the uk new zealand and australia are backing away from this they're saying we were wrong yes, you yes or no in it, it it varies state by state in australia and australia. some of the some well the most COVID crazy states are going full steam ahead in in yes. terms of this I mean, I, I just I just call it how I see it. This is genital mutilation of, of children. Uh, this is a, an attack on children's bodies and minds. But no, uh, in, in the state of Victoria, which was the most COVID crazy state, uh, Melbourne, the capital of Victoria, became world famous for having the longest lockdown. And and then then they re-elected the premier who did this to them. What happened? Yeah. Yeah, uh, you know, Stockholm syndrome has actually been re renamed Melbourne syndrome. Um, so, in in the state of Victoria, if your child decides that that he is a she or she is a he, and you as a parent do not affirm them, uh, you're actually at risk of having your child taken away from you uh, by the state uh, because you are clearly psychologically abusing your child by refusing to indulge in their fantasy. That can happen. That has happened in some states here in Nebraska. In fact, in Minnesota, which is, if you look on the map, up and over just a little bit statewide, um, if any child, they're a sanctuary state for transgender children. So any child who crosses state lines can declare themselves um, that they, they need help because they're trans and their parents don't support them. Their parental rights are severed and the state will take them and give them whatever surgery or medicine they want yeah that's horrific and i when look you at they, you know, go ahead yeah well when you say they want i mean we know as parents uh our children want all sorts of things they want to stay wow. up they want to eat junk food they they want to you know they, they want to try smoking they want to hang out with their friends in dangerous places and what do you do as a parent you say no and hell no <laughs> <laughs> because I'm responsible for you, and you don't have the the uh, maturity to be able to to think through the consequences of your decisions. And so I'm putting my foot down and saying, "Uh, uh, you don't get to do that." So now this is the parent, not the friend. You're the parent, and the That's parents. Awesome. 
is to put those boundaries in. And when when the kids are little, your boundaries are pretty tight. They're little, and then you, you teach them and you release those boundaries. But with this, or someone who's as young as three can choose what they are. I knew when I had people come and testify and say, I knew when my child was two and a half that he was a boy. It's a girl. Um, and they're raising them that way. This family also said, we have two children who are trans. So statistically, that's impossible. I was going to say, what, what are the odds of that? I mean, the, the, the figures that I understood to be the case just a few short years ago were, were that, you know, being genuinely trans was something like a one in 10,000, one in 100,000. I'm not sure if anyone could has ever. Zero, zero, three percent. Okay. And now we're at over 2.2 percent. Yeah. which is a huge response. One college in this country, and I can't remember which one it was, but they, um, it's a liberal college, but they have report that 38% of their students identify as somewhere in the LGBTQ plus two crowd. And so this, this is social. This is, I want to be with yeah. that group who's getting the attention, who's got, yeah. you know, support. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And again, the, the weaponized compassion thing that, that, that you talked about. So often these children are, they're not very socially skilled. As, as uh, uh, Dr. McCullough has, has been writing about in his Substack lately, there is a huge overlap between autism and gender dysphoria. And so many of these children, they're not socially skilled. They're really quite unpopular. They're, they're just, they're not making it in the friendship stakes. They're not making it in the dating stakes. But if they suddenly announce, I'm trans, suddenly they get this, this shower of love poured upon them. I love oh, love yeah yeah uh, you're trans you know oh you're you're in this sort of protected class now um so no and wonder it's attractive they to them. will then fit because if you feel like you don't fit and somebody says here's a secret here's how you fit you want that yes yes here's how you fit you're going to be on pharmaceutical products for the rest of your life that are going to increase your risk of all manner of diseases and almost certainly shorten your life and render you infertile. And we're also going to mutilate your genitals so that you can never have normal sex and experience sexual pleasure. But you'll feel so much better for it. It's it's so you know I'm I'm not I wasn't raised a religious person and I had a real aversion to the word evil before COVID. And now I find myself using the word evil a lot because I don't know that there's any other word in the English language that really, really rises to the challenge of describing this kind of full spectrum assault on children, children and, and teenagers who are still effectively children. I mean, legally, they're still children, right? Legally, they are. Yes. Yeah. Uh, this, yeah. So, okay. So you, you had these, um, these, billionaire funded uh lgbt groups speaking against you you had and other groups and lots of social media and uh, you know the 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 defenses you you've seen it happen they're very organized they're very good at rallying the social media and you know putting out the tweets and putting out the and so i stay off social media i'm not on it it just i don't read it i don't read articles about myself i don't watch i That's don't different. need kind of negativity um and lies so, you know, the, the media, uh, and I've talked to several reporters about this when they've interviewed me, I always say this bill is about protecting children. And the headline is usually anti-trans bill. This is not anti-trans. This is 
don't hurt kids. Don't let kids make irreversible decisions that will ruin their bodies forever. Protect children until they're old enough to make those decisions on their own. Because uh, once they are of the age of, of majority, they are free to do what they uh -huh. want. If they want to get peace. As long as they can afford it and they can live with the consequences, that is their right and responsibility as an adult. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yep. But you are in no, it's, it, it's so strange to me that we even have to have this conversation about what is acceptable to subject children to. I just, I really can't get my head around it. How have you personally coped? You, you mentioned you stay off social media. That's smart. Um, how have you, what's been the impact on your family life? Have your kids been, been attacked because of your stance? Um, a few, I think a few comments have been made to my kids, but my kids are all, so I have a 25, the one you met is 21. And then I have a younger one who just turned 20. He was away at his freshman year in college and my kids have a, a slightly different last name than me. So it's not like right in your face that this is who oh, I am. Okay. Right. It, it helps. So, um, you know, it's when, when my husband and I got married, I kept my name. And so I tell him now it gives you plausible deniability. I mean, you're so lucky. And he's like, no, and he's wonderful. But, you know, it's, it's, it was stressful, but because I know I'm doing the right thing, I tend not to worry about it. So I've been screamed at and called names. I've been called Hitler. Um, I've been called mean, nasty, homophobe, transphobe, like every, everything by my fellow senators on the floor. Wow, and this actually happened in session. People absolutely on the floor. So collegiality out the door, uh, which yeah. I pointed out to a few of them who were screaming about how it was uncollegial for me to bring such divisive measures. These are things that my constituents talked to me about that the entire state. So a survey was done in our state. Three uh, fourths of the people in the state support my sports and spaces bill and just slightly under 70 percent support the let them grow bill. Okay. Um, so it's, you know what, the majority of the state says this is important. One of the senators got up and she was frustrated and she said, why are we talking about these cultural issues? So part of the problem was they, they did a filibuster and um, they ran a filibuster the entire session. Where just briefly explain for, for my Australian audience what a filibuster is. So basically, and the way our rules were written, um, nobody had ever done a filibuster like this before. You could filibuster a particular bill to just run out the clock and not let there be actual debate on it. They mm -hmm. filibustered every single bill talking about my bill. So they talked about my bill every single day, filibustering, and they didn't, they were trying to let nothing go through and nothing get discussed. So right. they're, they're, in other words, they're, they're holding up government business. And they, they said it on the floor. They said, we want to obstruct everything. We don't care. We're not going to get anything done. We hate this. We hate her. Um, she's horrible. This is not going to, if you don't make this go away. And they were trying to get me to pull the bill. They, were they wanted you to drop it. I see. So that, that was the point of the pressure, trying to right. get you to drop the bill. And I give huge kudos to um, my fellow senators who stuck with me. And it was brutal on the floor. It was brutal every day knowing the, the nonsense we were going to be forced to endure. But while they were filibustering, the rest of the senators, were we were working in the backgrounds. We were getting things done. Um, it's not the way we wanted to get our bills passed, um, but we got significant things passed this year because we worked together to accomplish it over the filibuster. 
And then mm -hmm. we did get my bill passed. It was modified slightly so that instead of banning the drugs, we've directed our chief medical officer to create rules and regulations and do investigation into it to figure out exactly what the safety is. So we've put okay. more steps in place. We, we've stalled it, but we got 80% there. And we also were able to add a pro-life bill onto it that they had killed. So it, it just, it was a tumultuous session. And again, for the freshman class, we're like, okay, so this is how you do things here. And we've, we've become pretty battle-hardened. Yes. Yes. And I suppose that's the advantage of it. When you're, when your first year is, is just so tough like that, you're like, okay, so throw, throw the next challenge at me. I'm ready. Right. <laughs> it's worse than this. <laughs> and, you know, as, as a mediator, so listening to people yelling or being conflicted, I know exactly how to identify they're making an emotional response. Yeah, that, that, thank you. Thank you for bringing that back in. Tell, tell us how, tell us how your, your mediation skills were brought to the fore in this, because I think this is really important. Obviously, all of us who've had, who, who've questioned the COVID narratives, and then um, for many of us who didn't really look at, at contentious topics before, our eyes are, have been open left, right, and center. And so, yeah, there are a lot of people ending up in very heated discussions with friends, family members, you know, colleagues, neighbors. How did you handle this? Well, first of all, so it was never, I was actually asked by another senator on the floor trying to kind of trip me up, like, you're a mediator, you should be able to understand. So how would you handle this as a mediator? And my response was, for a mediation to actually work, there need to be two parties who agree that there's a conflict and want to make come to a resolution. Okay. We didn't have, we had yep. one party who was throwing a temper tantrum because they didn't like what I was doing, but I have every right to do that. I have a responsibility to bring that kind of a bill. And just yeah, because something you like yeah this is so, so sorry just just a tangent but something that i think is really important if you've got three quarters of the voters more or less like 70 percent to to 74 percent of the voters in your state who are in favor of it what the hell are these representatives doing not uh not not voting in favor of what their own constituents want and of course we're seeing this all over the world where where the the, the people are looking at their supposed elected representatives and saying you don't represent us you don't listen to us you you, you pass bills that we don't agree with and then when we contact you to say we don't agree with it you blow us off so it's 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 happening everywhere and, and the minority is extraordinarily loud and very like i said loud, aggressive abusive they they have these attack teams it's yeah all right so so you didn't have you didn't have parties for a mediation because they didn't want to agree yeah exactly um i say you know when, if somebody calls you a name you know i was called transphobic many times yeah i can imagine Doesn't matter, call me whatever you want because i'm not going to accept what you tell me i am and when i do mediation i, I talk about the purple elephant if someone accused you of being a purple elephant would you in fact be a purple elephant. Would you try to defend yourself against being a purple elephant? You can just look at them and go, I don't know what you're smoking, dude, yes. but I'm not that. <laughs> people call you that. That's that's part of the weaponized compassion is people are, no, 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 I'm not. And they take a step back and they go on the defensive, which means the other person is going to keep attacking and beat you down. So you just say, no, it doesn't fit. It doesn't fit for me. And so, you know, just ignoring it 
was really, really good. Just let them go. This, okay, this, this, this is gold. What you're sharing is gold. I really, uh, listen listen to this, people, listen to this. When people call you anti-trans or an anti-vaxxer or a, like whatever crazy, crazy thing, what what you're saying is you 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 don't have to defend yourself. You don't have to say no. I'm I'm actually not an anti-vaxer. I, I support this, that, or the other vaccine. Or, or no, I'm not anti-trans. I have a trans friend. You don't have to do any of that. In fact, don't do that. That is 100 the wrong thing to do. Instead, you just go, I'm not that. Or you just look at him and say, What a weird Satan. <laughs> oh, I love that. <laughs> yes. And then you say this. Yeah. You seem like you're projecting. Yeah. That'll make you crazy. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I can imagine. <laughs> I'm oh, that is that is like beating them at their own game. Par excellence. This this is this is gold. All right. Okay. So so you don't don't engage with the name calling, you don't defend yourself against the name calling and I, I suppose look let's let's point something out um when when someone makes a criticism of you a a a wise person and an honest person does need to pause for a moment and ask themselves is there anything to this you know do do i do i have some sort of fundamental objection to to trans people uh you am am i anti-gay or whatever like you have to ask yourself that question okay so, so this, this honest and authentic with yourself first and if that is secure then the rest of it is just noise yes so after after you've done that honest inventory of your own beliefs your own philosophies and and you've you know maybe asked for the input of wise people and and you know tested your your views uh again in in debate right this is one of the crucial things uh, we we clarify what we believe by testing our ideas uh against those of people who have different ideas right and and if we can manage the debate civilized we may change more. yeah yeah we may actually change our, our own ideas and that's great that's fantastic because because debate is is the is the fire that we put our ideas through to test them and toughen them like iron out the weaknesses in them so after you've done that process and you figured out no i'm actually not trans i'm not afraid of these people i don't hate these people i just want to protect children and their innocence and their right to to grow uh then okay then you go forth and you yeah you use these these fabulous techniques all right what else did you what else did you do that worked so, so one of the things was as i said they talked about my bill they filibustered about 574 every single day every single minute of every single day mm -hmm. and so people were it started emailing why aren't you getting up and defending why aren't you you know fighting back because i refused to engage because we weren't talking about my bill so in in our legislative chamber we have a board that shows the bill that's being discussed or the amendment or you know, whatever is supposed to be being discussed is up on the board and if my and I told the reporters, I'm like, if my bill number's not on the board, we're not discussing it. It's disrespectful to the senator whose bill is on the board. Um, and it's it's not effective. And quite frankly, so, so in, in, in other words, you you are a stickler for process. You said this is the process. I am following it. You're not. Exactly. So I'm not going to do what you're doing because you're actually not following the correct process. Oh, this is. <laughs> and when they would scream about the lack of collegiality or the fact that we were destroying the institution, I would every once in a while get up and respond to that and say, you know, here's what's happening and you're the one being non-collegial. And what we are learning as freshmen 
is that this is the way this runs. And so it just, you know, there, there are times to insert and there are times to just let them go because the more they sound like crazy people, the less people are going to believe in them. Are these sessions televised? Is is this is this on C-SPAN or? No, not C-SPAN. So we have Nebraska uh, Public Media and it was televised. It was not recorded. So we didn't keep recording of it. We did get one bill passed, LB254, which was wrapped up into a couple of, of other bills that will make it recorded and catch. For, so we'll, people will be able to go back and look at this. Um, but here, can I share my screen with you real quick? Yes. Here. Let you um, let I to give permission for that. Let me see. Yeah, um, click on it. And it says multiple partial spends. Yeah, got it. Okay. I'm glad you're more familiar with Zoom than I am. <laughs> <laughs> All right. This is. So on this day, um, there were about 200 people out in our rotunda, which is kind of a big area. Trans people belong here. We need trans people. We love trans out. people. This is Michaela Cavanaugh. She's That's what they're saying out there. Great. They're standing in a circle in the rotunda saying that over and over again. Hmm. Trans people belong here. We need trans people. We love trans people. I'm actually trans people belong here. here. We need trans people. We love trans people. Trans people belong here. We need trans people. We love trans people. Trans people belong here. We need trans people. We love trans people. Trans people belong here. We need trans people. We love trans people. Trans people belong here. We need trans people. We love trans people. Trans people belong here. We need trans people. We love trans people. Trans people belong here. We need trans people. We love trans people. Trans people belong here. We need trans people. We love trans people. Trans people belong here. We need trans people. We love trans people. Trans people belong here. We need trans people. We love trans people. Trans people belong here. We need trans people. We love trans people. Trans people belong here. We need trans people. We love trans people. Trans people belong here. We need trans people. We love trans people. Trans people belong here. We need trans people. We love trans people. Trans people belong here. We need trans people. We love trans people. Trans people belong here. We need trans people. We love trans people. Trans people belong here. We need trans people. We love trans reminds me of it it reminds me of the um um the static dance um ritual that people engage in 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 you know religious ceremonies or, or in cults you, you know what I'm talking about where they, they they kind of work themselves up into a frenzy um so what was happening here is there were about 200 people out in the um rotunda watching they had screens outside and they're watching from the balconies and they were watching at the doors she was leading them in the chant and inciting them to make it more aggressive and harder for us oh, the other thing, this kind of behavior happened pretty much every day where there was some rant or some craziness it happened more intensely when the national media was there yeah sorry Kathleen. i'll just get you to turn off your your screen share now yeah. There we yeah, go. There we go. 
perfect yeah right now i understand so so she so this really was cult-like this was cult-like she was she was whipping them up into a frenzy through this chant and we we had incidents uh where people so in our in our chamber we have balconies um on the sides we had one uh day where a gentleman tried to push his way up into the balcony with a very large backpack that smelled very badly and our state patrol and our um, sergeant at arms pushed him back and uh, asked to see what was in the backpack and he turned around and ran. He dumped the contents of the backpack out and then got out of the building. There was mm -hmm. a severed deer head that he was going to throw over the balcony. On mm -hmm. the final reading, um, we had protesters in the balcony who were throwing tampons at me as I was speaking. Now, tampons are not aerodynamic and they wound up hitting the senator behind me. <laughs> so. I just, but again, yeah, and and they put red paint on them. I I doubt very much they were actually used. But yeah, I was I, I was hesitant to even ask whether they were fresh out of the packet or used. I was like, should I even ask that question? <laughs> they they were trying to make a point, and you know the the thing is, it, I'm, it I'm was, sorry, what, what what was the point? What could could you explain to me? Because I'm I, they intimidate it's too early in the morning for me. I'm just trying to wrap my head around what point is being made by hurling tampons at a woman. Yeah, they, they were trying to intimidate and they were trying to, I mean, again, the loudness, the the number of people there, the intensity of the protests, um, the intensity of the hate that came to not just my email, but all of the other senators' emails who supported these bills. Um, the 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 aggression that we were faced with, you know, it was intense and it was a tactic to make us back down. And that doesn't work. I mean, that's yeah. all of us. No. Yeah. On that note, what, what do you think about, do, do, you, do you think you already had the kind of personality that makes you up for this fight beforehand? Did COVID change you? No, it just it just made me more like willing to do it. But right. it, according to my mom, I've always been like this. <laughs> <laughs> so, I asked her what so mom, would I have been labeled oppositionally defiant? She's like, you know, there's a reason it was stricter with you than with your siblings. Like, oh. Yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> right. Okay. So you already had a pretty strong backbone. And so you you came into this fight or already knowing how to defend yourself and that, you know, when someone comes at comes at you swinging, you know, go, oh, 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 and run away. You're yeah, it, it it tends to make you more up for the fight. Yeah. Good for you. I love it. And fortunately, you had enough colleagues who who yes, you know, and that's were, that's just saying. it. So we had people who stuck with us. And I had people all around the state who were, because I, I would reach out to the grassroots groups who, you know, the groups that I had developed relationships with in the COVID fight and say, hey, listen, I need support on this. And they're hundred percent behind it. I said, so I need you contacting your Senator and show them that you love them, that you want this fight, yeah. that you know they're taking it on the and chin. And if, if, they, if they vote for this bill, you will vote for them next time. And, yeah. and just thank you. And just and so I would have senators come in and say, okay, so the first day after you introduced, I got like tons of hate mail. And then the next day, everybody is responding and saying, thank you for, for taking this on. And it is important to us. And we had one senator, um, uh, Senator DeBoer, who is who's liberal, she was voted against the bill, 
And she got very frustrated with the filibuster. She just wanted to get like actual work done and didn't like the fact that the filibuster was going. She helped with it at times, but she got very frustrated one day and she, she said to the camera, if you think that we should actually be doing these cultural issues, she, there's this perception that you shouldn't, you know, legislate any kind of cultural thing, which is how the left gets away with getting so much stuff pushed through because they say, and again, weaponized compassion. This time they're weaponizing um, your sense of right and wrong. They're saying conservatives shouldn't want to legislate cultural issues. So Mm. if you really want us to keep doing this, let us know. But if you want us to stop and focus on other things. And so people sent emails, but they sent them to all 49 senators. So we all saw how many people are saying, yes, we want these cultural battles fought. We want the discussion to be had. And the, the, the idea that you shouldn't be discussing this when, when actually um, this is a cultural issue that, that was pushed on you federally. So why is it okay for the federal government to, to push its cultural notions on the states? Yeah. But, but you at the state level, and obviously you're far more in touch with with what the, you know, especially with, with, with being such a, a small state in terms of population, it's much easier to kind of take take the pulse of that smaller population and figure out, you know, what wh- whether the people are, are with you or against you on this. How is it not your responsibility as a state senator to enact the will of the people? Yeah, this is... Um, Wow. Now I, I know you don't have unlimited time. So, so tell me how, how there's, there's a couple more questions. So 10 minutes. 10 minutes. Okay. Yes. Wonderful. All right. And, and, and hopefully we can schedule another conversation because there's so much more that, that I want to ask, but um, okay. So what, what do you personally think you, you mentioned gender dysphoria before as, as being the, the driver behind all of this, what do you think underlies gender dysphoria? You know, I think, Quite frankly, it is, this is not true gender dysphoria. This is kids responding. This is that social contagion. Hi guys. This is, sorry, more of my kids. (laughs) This is that social contagion um, that makes people want to fit in. This is because what it used to be that gender uh, dysphoria happened primarily to males. And again, that was But now we're seeing primarily preteen and teenage girls who are having this issue. Um, or boys who have never felt like they fit in. Again, the autism spectrum. It is, this is the, the cultural phenomenon that is being used as a tool to, to create dependency, to create victims, to create lifelong medical patients, mm-hmm. and to force the government to be paying for that lifelong medication because then, you know, you don't have to have a job. You don't have, because some of these treatments are going to leave you unable to work. Um, you know, it's. Well, when, it's when you say the government paying for it, the government doesn't pay for anything. <laughs> the government doesn't, doesn't run a business. The government takes money from the people. So that's the people paying for all of this. Yeah. yeah. Or, or, you know, the government racking up yet more debt. Um, and the, I mean, no, no one, no one can even wrap their head around the size of the current u.s deficit it's just it's too many zeros and like you start blanking out yeah yeah Yeah. so 
do you because there there have been suggestions made that you know for instance of uh, some of the uh, endocrine disrupting chemicals that 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 we're all swimming in right now I mean you know Bobby Kennedy Kennedy Jr has been talking about this in relation to uh, in particular atrazine but there are plenty more endocrine disrupting chemicals um so so there's there's that uh, potential you know avenue of contribution Do you Sorry. My dog just barked. <laughs> Kids, dogs, <laughs> joys of working from home. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, do, do you do you suspect that that might be playing a role, or or you know, I think I think it certainly can. I mean, we we talk about hormones and milk, hormones in our our poultry, our beef, our everything. You see, um, seed companies saying, "Well, we can create." something that has more protein more you know whatever we're, we're messing with a lot of different natural yeah. substances and so i i can't understand how that wouldn't have had an effect mm. um you know just even the plastics that that we are constantly surrounded by those are endocrine disruptors and so yeah the bpa in the in the you know the uh, thermal receipts that that you get from you know the bank or the checkout yeah yeah all of that definitely things that are affecting us mm. um we've seen a precipitous drop in in sperm counts in in males uh Shana so incredible decreases in pregnancies and in life births so you know there there's so much and that's that's part of the problem i think that's why people shut down and don't want to deal with it because it's mm. so overwhelming when you start talking about well there's stuff in our environment there's stuff in our you know our social life our politics our you know seems like we are under attack from so many different avenues and it's very difficult to wrap your head around it i have mm. many friends who just say you know what and i can't do politics i don't want to hear you know the stuff i don't want to read things i don't want to know i just want to stay in my little bubble and and stay safe and i understand that and that's why i don't go on social media you know it mm. is you do what you need to do to keep your yourself psychologically safe so then when these issues come up and when I'm trying to say, okay, here's what's going on, it there it's DABDA. So uh, denial, anger, uh, depression, you know, it, it's that whole series of emotions that people have to go through to get to the point where they can accept what's actually happening because then they can say, okay, I can make an educated decision about this. I can either participate or vote or whatever. But when you're stuck in denial or anger um, or bargaining um, or depression, before mm. you get to acceptance about whatever issue it is, that's where you're stuck. And mm. so it is a constant, slow education process. And you and I have talked about this, that, you know, there's not enough people out there talking, but there's more now than there were. So more now than there ever were before. And I, I do, I do see that, that kind of, that gradual awakening but yes um I don't know what what it's what it's like in in your neck of the woods but most Australians seem to want to just forget everything that happened during COVID oh let's just put it put that behind us yes it was terrible and and but you know and bad things happened but oh well I guess the government just made mistakes and that's that's the denial part because it also yeah. there is also a responsibility that they shirked you stood yeah. up and you pushed back and yeah. i know you took hits for it there are people yeah. who just went along to get along and you know 
as you look back over history, I, I love the World War II books and, you know, things about World War II. And we always hear these romantic, amazing stories about the French resistance and the people who were behind the lines. Every single person sees themselves as and that what, what What percentage of the French population were in the resistance? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So everybody wants to be the hero, but they don't understand how difficult it is and how, you know, real the, the opportunity is for you to get badly hurt. And yeah. so a lot of people don't stand up. They, and so that's, when they ignore it afterwards, it's because they don't want to acknowledge that they didn't stand up. Yeah, that they actually failed that test. Yeah. Okay. I um I know I need to let you go. I would happily talk to you all day, but you have another engagement. Is there is there any last thing that I didn't ask you that that you wish that I had asked you? Um so well, we got my bill passed, most of it. Yep. Uh we will be looking at the sports and spaces next year. I start back in January and I'm working to shore up my support and make sure that I have all my senators on board. Um, to make sure that our kids are safe in their locker rooms and their bathrooms and that girls are not being challenged by boys in their sports. Um, so, you know, the, the fight continues. I'm also running for election next year because I only finished a two-year term. And so next year will be the second of my two-year terms. Then I have to run for a four-year term. Um, oh, sure. So I'm, okay. I've been told that I will be the number one target in the state. No doubt. No yeah. doubt. Well, which is kind of flattering, but you know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that that's right. Like if if everyone likes you, you're probably just not doing anything worthwhile, I'm correct? <laughs> yeah. Well, look, I I want to personally thank you for everything that that you're doing for the children in your state, and I guess you know, once one state gets this legislation passed, it 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 can serve as a kind of domino effect and, and, and in the united states we have about 20 states who have gotten this type of legislation passed and they're being sued and they're fighting tennessee just but that's okay once the lawsuits go through and we win those two it gives yep. us more and more strength and that's why it's yeah. so very important to put a law on the books so we can say here in nebraska this is how we do it tennessee they just had their lawsuit overturned so they are fully banning the surgeries and the drugs. Okay. So again, we're, we're, all, we're taking steps. We're making progress. We just can't get discouraged with, with incremental steps to the goal. Yeah. Yes, indeed. That is that is a great message to, to leave our, our, our listeners with. Yeah. Thank you so much for, for, for being a, a lioness, for, for caring about children, your own children, other people's children, any children who who could have their lives ruined by this uh by this by these cruel acts, these um anti-human, anti-life um surgeries and, and and drugs and 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 the ideology behind them and i uh, i hope that uh we we can speak again soon uh, i feel like we just barely skimmed the surface but i i will leave you to go off to your next appointment and yes uh, thanks for for all that you're doing stay strong thank you so much robin <laughs>